RadioInfluence.com. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I am your host, Vincent Hill. Today is Tuesday, November the 13th, 2018. And I want to apologize ahead of time if I sound a little congested. I've been dealing with a sinus cold for about a week now. It hurts like hell. I got a bunch of phlegm in my throat and in my nose. But you push through it. That's what we all do. We're all big people here. We are adults. So let's get to the show. First, I want to say I want to send my prayers out to California. Uh, you know, they've been dealing with a fire for the last week or so, and it's killed over 40 people so far, and the fire is still raging there in California. So I want to send my thoughts, my prayers to those that have lost family members in California. I definitely want to send my thoughts and my prayers to the firefighters out there that are battling that fire. I know it's a heavy task to do, especially when the thing is spread so far out. Uh, so, you know, if you if you haven't heard, which I'm sure we all have, you know, uh, California is dealing with huge fires right now and over 40 people have lost their lives. So thoughts and prayers out to California. So I want to start with with Baltimore, a uh, very sad story out in Baltimore. And, you know, we've talked about Baltimore on this show before, you know, with the Freddie Gray and the crime rates and everything else and police reform and whatnot. Uh, but a very sad story on yesterday, a police officer, a SRO, uh, fatally shot himself inside his office, inside the school. And the school was actually uh, placed on lockdown uh, for a while until uh, police figured out what was going on. It happened at uh, Eastern Technical High School in Essex County, which is in Baltimore County. Uh, 21-year veteran Joseph Kaminga uh, actually shot and killed himself around 12.23 p.m. on yesterday. Uh, he was found in his office alone with a single gunshot wound to his head. Uh, when the staff heard what they believed to be a gunshot, they placed the school on lockdown. Police arrived, did a sweep of the, the building, and found uh, the deceased officer there. Police reviewed security camera footage. Uh, they confirmed he entered his office alone. No one else went in the office after he was there. No one went in the office uh, before he entered the office. So it's pretty clear that uh, it was a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. Um, you know, that that's just tragic. 21 years on, on the force, and I'm sure those 21 years, he wasn't an SRO the entire time. You know, one of the things about this job of policing, you see some pretty gruesome stuff. You develop PTSD. There's things that you can't tell your family members about, and you never really know what's going on in someone's head. Uh, to on a Monday at 12:23, decide uh, that your life needs to end inside your office, 
inside of school. So, you know, I, I definitely don't want to uh, place blame on, on this now deceased officer and say, oh, you could have worked your problems out. You could have gotten help because we never know what's going on in someone's mind. The only thing I know is that someone that served the community for 21 years, for whatever reason, decided that on yesterday it had to be the end of his life. So, you know, we, we've talked about police suicide on this show before and how serious it is. And this just goes on to show you that it is a serious issue. Uh, you know, I was reading up on this officer. It looks like he had been a SRO for 12 years uh, inside the school system. You know, prior to that, he was in patrol, uh, you know, as most police officers are. Uh, so I'm sure he, as time goes on, he's been in the school for 12 years. Rumors probably will start to speculate, you know, that maybe he was doing something he shouldn't have been doing at the school with someone in the school, things of that nature. We don't know. The only thing I know is there will be an investigation and try to figure out why this officer decided to take his life. And based on the investigation, that is the information I would go on. Uh, but, you know, conspiracy theorists and people that just have nothing better to do will speculate that something else was possibly going on and that's the reason he took his life but that will be left up to an investigation regardless to what was going on it's a very sad sad situation that uh, this individual thought he couldn't go on with his life so no matter what the situation was that that's very tragic and again he was a brother in blue so my thoughts and prayers out to him uh, out to the entire Baltimore County Police Department out there that have to deal with this because they're the ones left behind that have to piece this together and deal with the loss of a brother so don't forget that so I want to switch gears uh, head out to Chicago uh, on uh, my Instagram on this morning, I was going through my Instagram and I realized I was tagged into something, and it was uh, a post from Sean King, who you know is you know so anti-police and uh, so you know it only happens in the black community type. So one of the persons that follows me on on Instagram tagged me in a picture and. Uh, it was about a Jamel Robertson in Chicago, 26-year-old. So on, uh, I believe, Sunday, um, well, sat in Saturday night into Sunday morning, uh, Jamel Robertson is a 26-year-old black male in Chicago. He was working security at a nightclub called Manny's Blue Room Lounge. It's about... Uh, 20 miles outside of Chicago in one of the suburbs there uh, in Robbins, Illinois. So what happened, uh, shooting broke out. He was armed security, this guy, this Jamel Roberson, 26 years old. Shooting breaks out. A few people were shot. I believe four people shot, including the individual that started the shooting. So 
him being an armed security guard, approaches the shooter, gets him down, uh, has his knee in his back, and decided to wait for police to show up. So police show up, and again, uh, the security guard is on top of this individual with his knee in his back and with the gun to his back. Police show up. They're responding to a shooting. Somehow, Roberson ends up getting shot. Uh, So, of course, his family has already filed a federal lawsuit saying they violated his civil rights and whatnot. And, of course, there's already outrage in the black community in Chicago and people saying if it was a white man, he would be alive. They wouldn't have shot him. And they even don't shoot mass shooters when they're white, you know, things of that nature. Um, But, you know, I, I was reading some of the witness statements and I don't want to second guess. I don't want a Monday morning quarterback. I was not there. I was reading some of the statements and one of the individuals said, well, yeah, he was marked. His his vest said security on it. Uh, but one of the witnesses, and this is key, said that the officers approached from the side and he was shot. So if you think about it, when you're looking at these vests that say security, it's usually in the back or in the front. It's not marked on the side. And remember, police were responding to a shooting of multiple victims. And they see this guy on someone with a, a gun to his to his back. So when you think about it, officers, again, have split-second decisions, split seconds to make decisions, rather, that could affect their lives, take the life of another, or cause their life to come to an end. So... We definitely don't want to jump to conclusion and say, well, it's racial simply because he was black. They haven't released the officer's name. Uh, it actually wasn't a Chicago police officer. It was another agency uh, that actually responded uh, and fired the shot. But we definitely don't want to jump to conclusions and say, well, because he was black, this is why they did it. You know, race is a factor. No, you really can't say that because put yourself in the officer's shoes, reports of a shooting, you show up, there's an individual on top of somebody with a gun to their back, and you're seeing them from the view that you may not have seen the word security, even though people were yelling, according to witnesses, that he's a security guard, he's a security guard. We don't know what happened in those seconds. We don't know if police were giving orders to drop the gun and he wasn't. Maybe because he was thinking, well, I'm security. I don't need to drop my gun. You know, we don't know if all of that was going on. We don't know if there's body cam footage. We don't know a lot of anything. But what we do know is we cannot jump to conclusion by saying, well, since he was black and he was simply doing his job, he was shot solely based on the color of his skin. We don't know that. We don't know if the officer was black. We don't know if the officer was white. We don't know if the officer was Asian, Hispanic. We don't know. What we do know is we need to have an investigation, and I understand the Illinois State Police are investigating the shooting, as is protocol, to find out what exactly happened there. Um, You know, I'll be curious to see where the lawsuit goes, especially the violation of civil rights as uh, the lawsuit says an excessive force and uh, a few other things that the lawsuit said. But, yeah, I, I don't know. 
where it goes. Um, you know, the, this kid, 26 years old, security guard. Um, you know, it, would I have had my knee in someone's back with my gun to their back? Knowing police were on the way, I don't know. I, I can't put myself in that situation. Uh, but there's several factors. There's so many factors that you have to look at when you're investigating this thing. And the fact that he was black is definitely not one of those factors at all. Trust me on that. Only time will tell where this investigation goes there in Illinois. Uh, again, the family has filed a lawsuit, a federal lawsuit, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there will be criminal charges brought against this officer. So only time will tell. we got to wait on the investigation, the investigation, not the speculation, the investigation. So I want to provide an update to uh, something I mentioned last week on this show, Tremaine Wilburn. And uh, I talked about this, you know, we covered this on the Law and Crime Network Tremaine Wilburn, uh, 41 years old, shot and killed Officer Sean Bolton back on August 1st, 2015. He was on trial over the last couple of weeks for that murder. He was found guilty over the weekend, last weekend. Uh, he was actually sentenced. Uh, the choices were death, life without the possibility of parole, or life with parole. So the jury came back with life without the possibility of of parole in that shooting and you know again covering that trial on the law and crime network i got to watch a lot of it firsthand uh, because we covered live trials there and you know one of the things i noticed was tremaine really showed no remorse in what he did uh he was very combative with the judge that was in that trial uh, a black judge uh then they tried to use the race card to get a mistrial because the prosecutor, who is a white female, pointed at him and said he was a coward. So the defense then tried to say, we need a new trial because she's a racist. Uh, you know, just a whole bunch of crap. But at the end of the day, I agree with that prosecutor. He is a coward because he shot Officer Sean Bolton eight times. The first shot being in the face, the other shots after he fell to the ground. Uh, so if that's not a coward, I don't know what is, but... I can tell you what, that coward will spend the rest of his life in prison. Of course, I'm sure he will appeal, but I don't think those appeals will uh, go his way, if you will, because, listen, the evidence is the evidence, and you can say you had a bad childhood like they tried to say at the trial. You can try to say you didn't have fair representation. You can try all of that crap. But at the end of the day, you, you did shoot this officer eight times. And again, if the, the roles were reversed and this officer had to use deadly force because Tremaine was armed. Oh, my gosh. I can imagine the protests and the outrage and the Easter suit pictures and the pictures with grandma and the pictures with the kids to say, you know, he was a good kid. He never did anything. All of that good stuff. But, you know, since the roles were reversed, he tried to use the race card in a different way simply by saying, well, the prosecutor's racist because she called me a coward. I hope you enjoy your life without the possibility 
of parole. You got exactly what you deserved. So let's talk Thousand Oaks, California, in the mass shooting that happened last weekend uh, at the country club. So I believe 11, 12 people killed, one of those individuals being Sergeant Ron Helis, who was with the Ventura, Ventura County Sheriff's Office. Now, you know, we can have the debate about gun control, mental health, blah, blah, blah. You can have all those debates we always hear on TV. But I just want to point out, if I can, for just a few minutes, the bravery of this Sergeant Ron Helis, who... While people were running out of that building, he was running towards the building to eliminate the threat. He wasn't standing by waiting for SWAT. He wasn't standing by his patrol car refusing to act. He was charging that nightclub to try to eliminate the threat. And one of the the saddest but most beautiful things to come out of this is just minutes before this happened he was on the phone with his wife as he did every night during his shift he was on the phone with his wife the call comes out over the radio and the last thing he tells his wife is I love you and the reason I say it's beautiful is imagine if he hadn't made that call yet imagine if call of the shooting would have gone out before he made that typical nightly call to his wife. His wife never would have heard his voice. She never would have heard him say, I love you one last time. So that's the beauty in this tragedy. The fact that he was on the phone with his wife, he was able to tell her, I love you one last time before he ran in to be a hero. So we can talk about the shooter, which we have been on the news networks about, oh, he had PTSD, he was mentally ill, there were two high school coaches. Now, the kid was 26 years old, 27, 28, how old he was. He was in his 20s, almost 30. Why the hell are you talking to high school student coaches about, well, back in high school, he was intimidating. Back in high school... He acted out. Heck, who didn't act out in high school? Who didn't freaking buck authority in high school? You know, so we can have those conversations about the shooter and all of this other stuff. But the conversation we really need to be having is that this sergeant, Ron Helis, who had just hung up with his wife, who probably thought he was going to go home to his wife that night, ended up taking fire, ended up not surviving. Now, there's a lot of people that survived the shooting. Granted, yes, 11 others died. There are a lot of people that survived. But the one that didn't survive was the one that ran to the danger. Not from it. He ran to the danger. So those are the conversations we need to be having. Why are we glorifying the shooter? Why are we even giving him the time of day? I refuse to say his name on this show because, again, that would be glorifying him. I want to glorify Sergeant Ron Helis and not just him, 
the thousands and thousands and thousands of police officers that run to danger every day that you don't hear about in the news. You don't hear about the officers that run into burning cars. I read a story about it just yesterday where two officers ran to a burning car to save the occupants of the car. They were running to danger. So I'm not going to glorify calling out someone's name, talking about what they did in high school, talking about whether they had PTSD. Hell, hundreds of thousands of people have PTSD. I have PTSD. I'm not going around shooting people. So I'm not going to make excuses for this knucklehead. I'm just going to give praise to this hero, Sergeant Ron Helis, because had he not been there close to the scene, things could have been a lot worse than they were. So I looked up several definitions of the word hero, and I found one that I really love, and it's really fitting to not only Sergeant uh, Ron Helis, but to law enforcement everywhere. And it says a hero or a heroine is a real person who, in the face of danger, combats adversity through feats of ingenuity, bravery, or strength. Now, we don't even have to question Ron Helis's bravery because as he was hearing shots, he ran to the building entered the building, attempted to eliminate the threat, and by doing so, put his life in danger. So that's not bravery. If that's not strength, if that's not ingenuity, I really don't know what is. So Sergeant Ron Helis died, in my personal opinion, in the opinions of many, he died a hero. And his actions actually save lives because that shooter once he saw that police were coming went and hid in the bathroom and took the coward's way out so ron helis's actions saved lives he is therefore and will forever be a hero To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a dark to light with Frank and Beans quick fix on Radio Influence. Uh, let me tell you something. I'm already uh, I, I'm on not on edge, but I'm just a little bit annoyed today by a lot of things. So, yes, it is November 9th. And yes, here we are. I remember last last Friday, we're talking about all of the exciting things ahead of us. And, you know, you get past a midterm election and there really is far more bright side than there is downside. And, and, and yeah, losing the House is a downside. But the, the I, I can't even. Where do we even start to talk about the decay, the rapid decay since then? I mean, even in victory, even in victory, what we are up against is the most asinine display of I don't even know what. Incivility is 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 too civil of a word. 
I don't know. It's disgusting. It really is like watching that. They can't even be happy with winning. You know, it, it's really bad. And, and, you know, they're obviously we're going to get into today a lot of what's going on in Florida and how they're trying to steal the vote in Florida and in Arizona and in Georgia and anywhere else where they think they can pull it off. Finding thousands of ballots stuffed in corners, having people come out and actually swear on signed affidavits that they <clears throat> that they witnessed in Broward County, individuals working for the the election office there filling out ballots in a room to be used later. It's a travesty. It needs we need to get to the bottom of it. We cannot just roll over on this. It needs to be figured out if they have to do another special election. Let them do one and let's do this the right way, because, you know, forget the Russians, Frank. Right, Helga? How dare you? No, no. Do not forget Russia. <laughs> no, forget about them. Yeah, <laughs> we we don't need we don't need the Russians to tamper with our elections when we have the Democrats to do it. Dark to Light with Frank and Beans can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.